Welcome to the Christ Connection Podcast. We are here to help and encourage you to enjoy your adventure with Jesus. I'm your host, Kevin Senapati-Ratna. Let the journey begin. Hello and welcome to the Christ Connection Podcast. My name is Kevin Senapati-Ratna and I'm glad you could join me today. Uh, this is an episode I've been hoping for for a while. We're going to talk some church history. Now before you turn it off right there and say, I oh, know, or you maybe had a bad experience with a history class. And, oh, I love church history, good church history. And by good church history, I mean uh, history where we hear about ordinary people, the story of ordinary people who encounter an extraordinary God. And we get to dive into that today with my guest. And as a matter of fact, at one point, I I am crying and I have a hard time holding it together as we're talking about this. Uh, so you want to stay through to the end on this. My guest today is Dr. Jamie Morgan. Uh, Dr. Morgan is an ordained minister of the Assemblies of God and lead pastor of Life Church in Williamtown, uh, Williamstown, New Jersey, which I've spoken at, a great church there. She obtained her Master's of Art degree in Practical Theology from Oral Roberts University and her Doctor of Ministry, which she just recently got, uh, from the Assemblies of God Theological Seminary. Uh, Jamie and I served together as members of both the uh, America's National Prayer Committee and the Assemblies of God National Prayer Committee, and she is a certified life coach. She's the author uh, of A Journey to Ministry, Discovering Your Calling, Purpose, and Destiny, and Jamie is a wife, mother, mother-in-law, grandmother, and I think she's pretty proud of that grandmother thing. Uh, so without further ado, my conversation with Dr. Jamie Morgan. Well, Jamie, welcome to the show. Kevin, thank you so much for having me. Truly appreciate it. It is. As I was saying before we hit record, it's fun to interview friends. Uh, so I, I may not get the Dr. Jamie Morgan all the time, so I, you'll, you'll, you'll forgive me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have we just uh, for the audience I, i'll have done the interview or the, the intro already but uh, uh for the for the you and me as we get started here uh, we kind of met in a weird way because uh I had put on Twitter something about going to ag uh, general council and uh, you had uh, been following me on Twitter i guess and reached out and uh had a conversation and then you joined the national ag prayer committee and we were hanging out there as the, the fellow compatriots there yes <laughs> uh, and i thought that'd be a, a good place to start because when we were there <clears throat> excuse me we uh our buddy ron out who's went to be with jesus uh and, and his pray tale ministries the three of us were hanging yeah. out uh, if you remember that and uh, but i remember going to an ice cream shop and uh, there were uh, th three pastors going into an ice cream shop that was the <laughs> that was the beginning of the story and, and while we were in there you shared your testimony uh, with us and i know we could take the whole time talking about your testimony because it's an amazing uh, story but just so people get to know you a little bit as we get started uh how did you yeah what can you give us just kind of a brief how you came to jesus 
Yes, absolutely, Kevin. I wasn't raised in a Christian home. I remember as a little girl asking my parents to take me to church. I always had a hunger to know God, but didn't know how to know him. No one came across my path to tell me this is how you know God. This is how you come into relationship with God. And so I would ask my parents to take me to church and they would say, you know, we're just not the church going kind. So I spent my, my childhood years, my teenage years uh, and early 20s wanting to know God, but no one telling me how to know him. By the time I was 26, Kevin, I had what I call uh, come to the end of myself. I was a raging alcoholic. I was agoraphobic where agoraphobia is when you can't leave your home because of panic attacks, anxiety attacks, fear. I was just riddled with fear and depression and despondency. And I remember one night, it was December 26, 1989. I went up to my bedroom and I said, God, I don't know you. I don't know anything about you, but I believe that you're real. And I believe that you created me. And I kind of drew a correlation that if an inventor knows how the invention is supposed to work in my unsaved mind. And I said, God, you created me. So your plan for my life has got to be better than this. And in that moment, Kevin, Jesus revealed himself to me in my bedroom. Uh, I knew that in that moment that he was Lord and Savior and that he wanted to be my Lord and Savior. I knew in that moment that Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to God except through him. And this was my, this was my prayer. I said, Jesus, if you can take this messed up girl and do anything with her life, I ask you to do it. I'll go where you tell me to go. I'll say what you tell me to say. I'll do what you tell me to do. I'm yours. I will follow you all the days of my life. And so that day began my life in Christ, the day I began following Jesus. That's amazing. And one of the things I love is that you made a commitment. I don't know where in that commitment that you made that you're going to share your story at least once a day. Is that correct? Yes. When I got up off my knees, I felt shackles what felt like shackles falling off of me, shackles of alcoholism, shackles of nicotine addiction, shackles of fear, despondency. When I got up off my knees, I was completely free. I truly was a brand new creature in Christ Jesus. And I made a commitment to the Lord in that moment because no one had ever told me how to know God through Jesus Christ. I mean, I had to have gone to school with Christians in high school even, there had to have been Christians in my neighborhood. There had, been, there had to have been Christians I worked with over the years, uh, but no one shared the gospel with me. And I said, God, I ask you that you would bring at least one person across my path every single day that I can share the gospel with. And he has been faithful to do that. Wow. And I was, you said 1989, so this is a significant year for you then. It is. And on December 26th, I'll, I will have been walking with the Lord for 30 years. I've been wow. in ministry for 25 and walking with Jesus for 30. Five years to uh, get into ministry then? Five, it's five years. Five right. years of healing and discipleship and dying to self and crucifying the flesh, <laughs> learning how to walk in love, learning how to warfare in the spirit and... Uh, 
and, and it, five years into my Christian walk is when I was when I became began leading the first uh, ministry that God entrusted me with in my local church. Well, I, I'm still learning those things, so that's. <laughs> I am too, Kevin. I am too. We're all working in progress, aren't we? Hey, now when we were texting about uh, this conversation, we we wanted to uh, get to a conversation about revival, since that's a mutual passion of ours. Yes. Uh, and hey. Uh, I don't know if you, uh, uh, this is not something we talked about, but how would you, just to get us a starting point, if someone's never heard the term revival, how would you describe what that is even? Yeah, that's a really good question. Revival is when God wakes up his sleepy church. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of people uh, don't understand the difference between revival and let's say awakening. Revival is when God wakes up his sleepy church. Awakening is when God wakes the unsaved up to their need for him. And so uh, revival is when God pours his spirit out upon his church, wakes them up uh, to their, to their, to their lukewarm condition. And, and how did you even get interested in the topic of revivals to start with? It, well, I would say it was twofold. Uh, there were, were two particular things happening in my life. This was about eight years ago. I, I, I was getting my master's degree and I was studying, I was taking a class on church history. We were studying the lives of revivalists. We were studying revivals. We were studying the lives of reformers and the whole concept of reformation. And it was during that time that I began to, uh, I've never been a, a historian, so to speak. I'm very much of a future thinker, not a past thinker. I, my whole philosophy is rip off the rear view mirror. You know, when you're driving <laughs> down the highway of life, just keep looking, keep your eyes on Jesus, keep looking forward. But taking church history uh, caused me to hit the pause button and say, you know what? There's some things that we can learn from church history. One of which is that the church cyclically, if you look from Genesis to Revelation, has been in need of revival. And God has faithfully sent revival in response to the church's cry for revival. At the same time, it was in that season that I turned 50 years old. My church gave me a birthday gift, a very generous birthday gift of a trip to Israel. I went to Israel. I'm walking through the streets of Jerusalem. And all of a sudden, uh, as um, anyone that's been to Israel can testify, I heard the, the Muslim call to prayer go forth around the city. And uh, I could tell that God was speaking to me. And I, I said, God, I said, I said, we can't even get Christians to pray once a day many times, let alone the Muslims pray five times a day. And we know that the Muslims are praying to a false God. Uh, our God is alive. And uh, so uh, the Lord encountered me. And he said, I am calling you, as I am many leaders around the world, to call the church back to the place of prayer, specific to prayer for revival. And then the next uh, stop on the tour uh, was the Garden of Gethsemane. And uh, again, Jesus encountered me in that garden. You know, we're a tour group. We're like, hey, take my picture by the rock, take my picture by the, in the garden. And all of a sudden Jesus encounters me. And he said, he said, when Jesus, he said, what I needed, the, 
that the prayers of the disciples the most, and we know the story, they were asleep to the place of prayer. And he said, when I need my church, capital C, praying the most in these times that we're living in, my church is asleep to the place of prayer. And then he repeated himself, I am calling you as I am many around the world to call the church back to the place of prayer specific to praying for revival. So between my studies in, in getting obtaining my master's degree and then uh, the, the God encounter in Israel, I knew that God was placing an additional mantle on my life to teach revival, pray for revival, contend for revival, and encourage revival. And then that became part of your doctoral work as well, correct? That's right. I knew going into my getting, obtaining my uh, doctor of ministry, that my dissertation, I knew some people enter the doctoral program not knowing what their dissertation is going to be. I knew that God had brought me to that seminary in order to, uh, to, 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 to study in-depth revival. So my dissertation is entitled Revival Cry, colon, Creating a Church Culture that Hungers and Thirsts for Revival. Uh, are you going to put that in? This is a random question, but are you going to put that in book form at some point? Uh, I am. I'm going to create, uh, I'm going to turn it into a, what we would call a popular read for, for Christians in general. And I'm also going to turn it, I believe, into a devotional. A, a devotional in praying for personal revival and, pray, and also praying for corporate revival. So, so maybe we'll, when you get that ready, we'll have to have you back on. To, yeah, so I would can, love. I would so love. you can promote your book there. <laughs> All right. When we were preparing for this, we thought, okay, let's talk about a specific revival. And that was part of my reason for reaching out to you because it's always been on my heart with this podcast to help people engage with the stories of, of what we've experienced in history and what, uh, and so we uh, landed on the Hebrides revival. And since we were texting, I didn't really tell you this. I, one of the things that drew me to the Hebrides revival uh, was when I was pastoring and, or somewhere in the, when I, but I remember I was working a, at a financial institution for 10 years uh, while pastoring and then when I started this ministry that was my bivocational work and because of the nature of the work I could listen to stuff quite a bit uh, it was just uh, that was the type of I was doing I was like a high-tech uh, teller for people because uh, their mutual funds they wanted money I sent them and, you know that was how that was so I, I spent a, a lot of time listening and uh, you can and I don't know if it's still out there I haven't looked uh, but there was uh, the Duncan Campbell's uh, messages on the uh, Hebrides revival uh, that I listened to while I was working there, and I just uh, grabbed a hold of my uh, my heart. And so we discussed, uh, you and I discussed that we would dive into one and to use that as kind of a uh, type for us here, um, just to for people who've never even heard of the Hebrides, which I hadn't until I started looking into the, the subject. Uh, where are the Hebrides at? Uh, on, on the on the map, so to speak. So that's a great question. And I want to say I am so excited about talking about the Hebrides revival because uh, I studied revival, biblical revivals from Genesis to Revelation. I've studied all the different revivals in church history. I interviewed 22 modern day revivalists who had experienced revival in their church or ministry. And I would have to say the Hebrides revival is one of my favorites. 
So the community of Hebrides is found on the Isle of Lewis, which is an island right off of Scotland. So if you look at the nation of Scotland, you would, you'll see a kind of a long uh, island uh, off the coast, and that's the Isle of Lewis, and Hebrides is on that island. Uh, I guess I don't know this. Do you know what country it's associated with then? Is it Scotland? I believe it is. I, be is I believe it's Scotland. Scotland. Yeah. Right. Someone can Google it for us. <laughs> All right. And and so when we talk about the Hebrides revival, when did that take place? What would the, be the time frame for that? It took place in 1949, and it lasted for three years. Okay, three years. Right. Which is why there would still be recordings of yes. stuff people from that time frame. I, I remember it was a little, it was a little choppy though, whatever the, it was one of those old, probably an old time radio program or something that was recorded uh, with that. Uh, and so it kind of, can you give us the backdrop of that story? What, uh, what uh, kind of sparked that revival on that, on the Hebrides? I would love to. Uh, the Hebrides revival the story of the revival begins with two elderly sisters by the name of Peggy and Christine Smith. Peggy was 84 years old and blind. Uh, Christine was 82 years old and arthritic. And they looked at the state of their local church as, uh, as well as the other, other local churches in their region in Hebrides. And they were saddened by the spiritual condition of the lukewarmness of the Christians in that community. All of the churches in their region were losing members. The attendance was dropping. And so these two sisters decided to pray, just the two of them, in their cottage that they shared every Tuesday night and every Thursday night at 10 p.m. They would get on their knees at 10 o'clock at night, on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and they would pray for revival, sometimes lasting till, many times lasting till 3 a.m. or 4 a.m. in the morning. The scripture that they stood on was a scripture, is a scripture from the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 44, verse 3. They had read this scripture, and this is, I'm going to read the scripture. Isaiah 44, 3 says, for I will pour out water to quench your thirst and to irrigate your parched fields. And I will pour out my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your children. And, and it continues to say they will thrive like water grass, like willows on a riverbank. And they, they, although they were, they were elderly and they were, they were weak in body, they were strong in spirit. And when they read that scripture, they said, Lord, we know that you are a covenant-keeping God. And if you wrote this in your word, this is a promise that will come to pass as we stand on it and believe you for it. So they stood on this scripture. And by the way, I want to say I pray this scripture every day. I pray it for myself, for my, 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 my children, my children's children. I always say to the 10th generation, and I pray it for my church every single day. Um, and so they began praying, uh, and just the two of them. And I just want to say this to, to all the people listening. If you, when you study revivals, 
99% of them started with one person or a few people crying out to God for revival. You don't need 10,000 people. You just need a few people that are desperate for God to move, that they will cry out to him and believe that, that, God will set, that God hears their prayers and God will answer their prayers. So one of these nights, Kevin, Peggy received a vision from the Lord. And in the vision, she saw their local church packed out with hundreds of people, including young people, crying out to God. And behind the pulpit, she, she recognized a minister that she didn't know. Now, their, their pastor was Pastor James Murray McKay. But this man standing behind the pulpit was a man that, that she had never seen before. So she calls him. She calls Pastor McKay. And she shares her vision for, for, uh, that she just had and that the two she and her sister had been praying for revival. And Pastor McKay comes right over and now joins them in praying for revival. So now it's not just two people. It's three people. It's the two elderly sisters and their pastor, and they're now praying every Tuesday and every Thursday for revival. At some point, Pastor McKay calls for a handful of the elders of the church to join them. And now it's the two sisters, Pastor McKay, and a few elders crying out to God for revival. And um, this went on for about a month. And then, and then one night, one night during these cottage prayer meetings, the spirit of God gripped them and a conviction of the Holy Spirit fell on them. The fear of the Lord fell on them and they all began to publicly repent uh, of sins in their lives. And this was kind of the, the beginning spark of the revival. And then from that point, many of, of the women and men from their church came and join them for, to, in praying for revival. They had to move the prayer meeting to the church. And it was around that same time that Pastor McKay went to a, a minister's convention in Scotland. And he met a man by the name of Reverend Duncan Campbell. And he was just moved by, by the Holy Spirit to invite him to come and hold a, a 10-day series of meetings in, in their local church. And Duncan Campbell was very um, grateful for the invitation, but said, oh, I'm so sorry. I, I'm booked up for the next year. Like, I would love to come to the island, to, to the Isle of Lewis, to the community of Hebrides, but uh, it's going to be about a year from now. So, so Reverend McKay comes home and he communicates to the sisters that he invited Duncan Campbell and Duncan Campbell said, yes, but a year from now. Well, those sisters were convinced that Duncan Campbell was the one that they saw in that vision. And they were not going to take no for an answer. So those sisters began to pray. And they said, Lord, if this man, because they, they had never laid eyes on him, just the, their pastor had. If this man is the man that is, was in that vision, God, we ask you to send him. Speak to his heart, God, and send him. Well, 10 days later, Duncan Campbell arrives. <laughs> the ship pulls up, and he arrives on the pier uh, of the Isle of Lewis to, to come to that church. And, and, and that's how, I mean, I'm just telling you, it's prayer. It's prayer. It's prayer and more prayer.
So Duncan Campbell arrives, they meet him at the pier and they say, they say, okay, we're going to take you right to the church. I mean, meeting one started right away. It wasn't like, you know, the, the days that we're living in, we would pick up a special guest speaker and say, okay, we'll take you back to your hotel. You know, you get ready, you had taken a nap, you, you've had a long journey, and then we'll pick you up after you've rested. They said, mm -mm, we're taking you right to the church. They, 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 they drove him to the church and, and Duncan Campbell walks in to a church. The church was filled with 300 people from that church that were crying out to God for revival. He, he walks down the aisle. He steps behind the pulpit. He preaches for about an hour and nothing initially happened. It wasn't like he preached and then bam, the Holy Spirit fell. Nothing happened. Nothing, I should say, remarkable transpired that they were aware of. But all of a sudden, Kevin, the doors of the church burst open. And a man walks through the doors and says, we were praying that God would pour water out on the thirsty and, and flood, flood our region. And he's done it. He's done it. And the door, when the door flew open and he walked in, they could, the people in the church could see that there were 600 people waiting to get into the church. There had been a dance party going on in Hebrides that same night, filled with a thousand unsafe people and all kinds of stuff was going on that goes on at dance parties. All of a sudden, the spirit of God falls on those 1,000 people. And they went from their partying and revelry to being repulsed by what was happening in that dance hall, repulsed by their spiritual condition and said, we have to repent. We have to repent. So of those 1,000 people, 600 ran to the local church. I'm telling you, Kevin, when revival breaks out, you don't need to advertise it. The spirit of God draws people. You don't have to advertise a fire. Right. When there's a fire, listen, listen, even in our own communities, when there's a house fire, people just show up. They show up to watch the house burn. And, you know, the local news uh, outlets will show up without even being called to do a news story. You don't have to advertise a fire. So 600 people in that dance party show up where Duncan Campbell's preaching. <clears throat> and then the other 400 ran to the local police station <laughs> because they thought, we, we have to confess. We have to confess all we've done wrong. <clears throat> so that was the night. It was December the 7th. 1949, <clears throat> when revival broke out in the community of Hebrides. <clears throat> a couple of uh, things I wanted to, before we go on with the story, just to point out. Uh, first, I love what you said about uh, you pray stuff towards the, uh, it wasn't part of the story, but uh, you said you pray towards the 11th generation in your own the tenth uh, generation, yeah. Ten, ten, I, I, ten. I'm future thinking. God, send, yeah, pour your spirit out, not just on mine, but, <laughs> and and and, but also to the tenth generation. Right. And I, <laughs> I, I, I've talked a lot over the years about how I just 
you know me, you know how this uh, 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 time travel. Uh, if you if you want to time travel, uh, pray for the future because yes. that's the uh, one one place. Uh, uh, I think it's Mark Batterson said something about uh, your uh, like dropping bombs in the in into the future uh, every time you pray towards things down the road. Just by yes. uh, you, you can't you can't go there necessarily. I'll. Uh, you and I will not see the 10th generation. Right, right. <laughs> well, maybe you might, I don't know. You're eating healthy. <laughs> so it's, it was, but, uh, uh, and uh, the other thing I wanted to uh, point maybe out. I, I want to say, Kevin, you know, like you just said, our prayers are eternal. Right. They don't die with us. We pass away and graduate to heaven if we're born again, but they don't, our prayers are eternal. So that's so important. I'm so glad you brought that point right. up. I, and the other thing I, I, I heard uh, when Duncan Campbell uh, was on the pier, they, they said something about, uh, and I don't get the quote correct, but uh, something like, you know, asking him, are you, you know, this man of faith and power or whatever that's going to, and he's like, probably not, I'm, but I, my heart is right with God. And yes, they asked him, one of the elders from that church asked him, how is your spiritual condition? And he paused and he said something to the effect of, well, this I can say, I have the fear of the Lord. Right. So God can use uh, people, whether they're, uh, yes. uh, and <clears throat> one other thing before we go on with the story, I, 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 you said about, you know, two or three, uh, in my study of uh, uh, Finney, uh, Charles Finney, who, if you want, I have a book on it, so you can you can go get that. But uh, it's in my yeah. dissertation, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, but he he would talk about going to these cities and how often there was a uh, you know one lady or one person who is had been called to prayer, and then before he showed up, or they they'd contact the their pastor and say we need to bring Finney in, and uh, so we we don't want to miss the fact that our prayers make a difference if we if we give ourselves to god it, it makes a difference absolutely absolutely that we can be that one that we can be that one if you're that one if you if you are a pastor of a church you can be that one if you're sitting in the pew on sunday and you see that your church is in need of revival you can be that one you can be that one you can be that one that is desperate for god to move and just like those elderly sisters they cried out to god and god answered their prayers and i i wonder i i, I even talked about this with my board whether when we get to heaven uh, when they're handing out rewards uh, those people who have prayed in the background that know uh, I mean, I, I joke that I, I get a lot of my rewards now here on earth just because of the nature of preaching and things like that. And, uh, but the people who pray f for us, the people who pray behind the scenes that no one ever hears about that probably are sparking revivals around the world, yes. uh, the amazing rewards that they're going to get when, <laughs> when they get to heaven and the, the you know, truckloads start backing up. <laughs> I agree. They're, they're God's generals, truly, truly. The intercessors, the, the prayer warriors, the unsung, are the unsung heroes of the church. I always call the, the ministry of intercession, like, like how, how our liver is in the body, in our, in our physical <laughs> body. You don't even know it's there until it, until it stops working. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's 
one of those right. ministries that you don't, you may not know it's going on, but when, when God, God answers his faith, God is faithful and, and he, and all of his promises are yes and amen. And he's faithful to answer our prayers when they line up with the word of God and God will do what we ask him to do. And the thing, Kevin, I want your listeners to understand is as much as we desire revival, God is even more desirous to send it. And that, that is important to know because it will increase our faith as we pray. It's not like we're praying for something that we don't know if this is God's will. Right. <laughs> so it's, no, it's God's will that his church wakes up. It's God's will that the unsaved are, are woke, awakened, awakened to their need for, for, for him through an awakening. It's, it's God's will that Christians win souls. It's God's will that Christians are prayer warriors. It's God's will. It's God's will that we are about the business of building the kingdom. And so when you pray for revival, pray in faith, knowing it's the will of God. Uh, that's so important because I think when people get to the life of prayer, so often they're intimidated thinking, I don't know what to pray that's, you know, is this just what I want? But there's so many things the Bible clearly outlines that are his will that you yes. can pray with confidence. And yes. one of them, one of them is revival yes. and the awakening of his church. Uh, so going back to the story now, there's 600 people outside, uh, kind of, how would you, what kind of happens in the revival from there? So during, so that was December 7th, 1949. The revival lasted for three years. In that time, every church, not just in Hebrides, but on the Isle, Isle of Lewis was filled to capacity to overflowing. Youth that they were having a hard time reaching were being won to Jesus. And, and the awakening, just like what happened at that dance party that particular night when revival burst forth, the Holy Spirit would pour, would pour himself out upon homes uh, and, and awaken people at nighttime. And they would just get up and, and run to the local church. That He would pour himself out upon people walking down the street and they would run to the local church. So what happened at that dance hall happened for the next three years. That the, the, during the Hebrides revival, the whole island was awakened to the reality of God and their need for God. Uh, men, women, youth, children all over the island became a, increasingly aware of how great God was and how far away from him they were. Any, we, we want to uh, shift a little bit uh, in a moment, but any other details of the story uh, that you think are important for, I mean, they're going to have to dive in. There's a, we're, we're not going to cover three years here, but uh, any other important details with, uh, of the story? We've kind of shift gears here a little bit. Yes, I believe that a really important part of this story is that the prayer was obviously the catalyst for God sending revival, but it also, the prayer sustained revival. So, so revival, so prayer is the precursor to revival, but it produces more prayer, which sustains the revival that is already taking place. So then you almost have a revival within the revival. You, the prayer, Prayer is a precursor, but then 
the revival itself then brings a prayer awakening, which, 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 which then sustains revival. And so prayer doesn't just, I don't say produce, God sends revival, but prayer, prayer, it, it comes first, then revival, but, but it produces more prayer. Prayer doesn't end, it just increases. And that's really, really important for your listeners to know. Well, say, <clears throat> now I, I don't know if for sure if I'm getting this right, but uh, I think it's the Korean church, South Korea, that, that's one of their main prayer requests is God help us to pray more. <laughs> that kind yeah. of uh, keep us going in this life of prayer. So they're at the front end, they're, they're like, we're going to commit to praying more. So Lord, help us uh, uh, with that. Uh, sometimes when we hear stories like this, it can feel, uh, I mean, 1949, some island, exotic, which us, <laughs> island that we never heard of. Uh, but uh, as you said earlier, you inter for your was it 22 different pastors that you interviewed? Uh, all, around, all, around the, all around the world, but many of them from the U.S. Yes. Uh, can you give one example of that just so the, the, the audience can hear a little bit of something that's you know, more current to us today? Yes, uh, I, I can think of a church in Indiana. The pastor that I interviewed relayed the story to me that uh, he, he saw that his church was in need of revival uh, and he was invited to um, a, a, a region in, in the United States that was already a church that was experiencing revival. And, and he, when he went, he, he thought that there were signs and wonders and all kinds of things happening. And he thought, this is nuts, this is nuts. <laughs> and so he flew back to Indiana and uh, he thought, yeah, what, you know, I, I want revival, but I want it. And this is <laughs> the way I want it. Do you, want, do you hear me, Kevin? Yeah. We, we, we need to, when we cry out to God for revival, God sends the revival he wants to send. Right. right? So he goes back to Indiana and goes, uh, spends uh, the, the evening, the Saturday evening before the Sunday morning service, just him in the sanctuary. And he's crying out to God for revival. And all of a sudden he hears God's voice and God says, I'm here. He comes, he goes to church Sunday morning. He had this, uh, usually he had this, uh, every Sunday morning before the service, he would meet with the elder board and they would have a short prayer. So they met together. He prays his normal prayer and his 12 member elder board were overcome by the power of God. And he said, these were not men that were given to, <laughs> given to the things he was, they were experiencing in that room. He goes, he goes into the sanctuary, stands behind the pulpit, and all of a sudden, he can't open his mouth to preach the sermon, and the power of God knocks him back 15 feet into the choir loft. He lays in the choir loft and he hears all of a sudden clanging, clanging, clanging. And it was a woman in the church that had been, that was terminally ill. She had brought in two oxygen tanks because she couldn't breathe. <clears throat> God had instantly healed her and she was using, she was clanging the oxygen tanks together like tambourines, <laughs> praising Jesus 
that Jesus, the healer, had just healed her. All around the sanctuary, people were being healed and delivered. And this, this revival went on, I'm going to say, for about a year and a half. It was in an, the, this church in Indiana is in an Amish community. And one night, early, early, early in the revival, uh, the pastor saw a horse and buggy coming down the street. He was looking out the church window. The horse and buggy pulls in the church parking lot and they come in and they receive salvation. They, they get touched by the Holy Spirit. They go back and tell their Amish community. And the very next Sunday, the pastor looks out the window and sees a line of horse and buggies coming down the street and turning into the church parking lot. And he said that on any given Sunday, you would see maybe a biker with leather chaps on and, you know, biker outfit with his motorcycle parked outside, praising Jesus with his arms in the air next to an Amish man with uh, a, purp a purple <laughs> suspenders, a straw hat. And a <laughs> this, this, Kevin, is a picture of revival. Is when it touches, is when it wakes up the church, it touches the community. And again, I want to say, when we cry out to God for revival, we may have a preconditioned notion of how we want it to look, how we want it to sound, how we, what we want to see, but God sends the revival that he wants to send. Hey. Yeah, I think that's uh, very important as we get into, I mean, if you study revivals and you think, oh, I want that to happen, uh, God's going to give us what we need, not necessarily what we quote unquote want. Uh, or we uh, don't want that to happen. Right. Yeah, I want revival God, but I don't want that to happen. Uh, and I, I mean, even if, as you were talking, I was kind of getting emotional thinking uh, there's a, a song that my, my daughter has kind of had playing in our house. It's a, a Toby Mac of all things, but uh, it's uh, uh, take me to the place where I know I need you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's not, I was talking to her about it. It's sometimes that's not comfortable. Yeah. That's uh, we don't want to go to the place where we absolutely need him. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's the prayer that we need to pray yes. that saying, God, I, uh, take me outside of my comfort zone, outside of the place I want to be, uh, so that you can do what only you can do. Because uh, if we're doing it in a place that we're comfortable, we're not going to uh, experience all that is possible. Uh, I was going to do this later, but uh, if you would, right now, before we go on to some of the, uh, and start wrapping this up, but uh, if you would take a moment and just pray for our audience that they would be open to whatever it is that God would have them do and what God would do in their place. Yes, I would be glad to. Heavenly Father, I just lift up every person listening to this podcast. And God, I ask you that you would give them a holy desperation for a revival. I ask you, God, that you would show them their spiritual condition, Lord. We can, we, can, we can walk around deceived into thinking that we're on fire for you when we're not. Or, and even if we are on fire for you, there's always next levels and next levels. And so, God, I just ask you that you would burden each person listening for revival, for personal revival, for corporate revival, and that each person would, would take the limits off 
would not put you in a box, would not put the revival that you want to send in, in, in a box, that, that God, they would be open to whatever, however you want to pour your spirit out, whatever manifestations, signs and wonders, whatever you want to do, God, in that revival that you want to send, God, I ask you that you would open each person's heart to, to, to desire after that which you desire and, is, and, and then trust you, trust you with the results. And so we pray this for every person listening in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I, as we're I'm beginning to circle and landing the, the plane here, kind of if you were uh, someone who is maybe they haven't heard about uh, any revivals or uh, haven't, uh, this whole, whole idea is uh, new, or maybe they, they're sparked by this conversation, they want to go deeper. What would be kind of some next steps, uh, both from the study standpoint, but then also just practical steps for them to take that you'd recommend? So I want to say that, let's talk about personal revival for a second. Do you know, Kevin, we are as revived personally as we want to be. I mean, the book of James makes it clear, draw near to God and he will draw near to us. And, and so we don't, you know, we as individual believers don't have to wait for a sleepy church to wake up before we can experience revival, before we burn for Jesus, before we evangelize the lost, before we become prayer warriors. We don't have to wait for that to happen. Again, you can be the only one in your sleepy, lukewarm church that's on fire for God. So personal revival, you can be as revived as you want to be. It starts with a desperate, as, as you so beautifully put it, just a desperation for God. That, that God, and, and, it's, and, and seeing our, our, really our spiritual bankruptcy, even if we've walked, we've walked with Jesus for years, and even if we are, let's say, let's say we are, the most on fire Christian in our church. Maybe we're the pastor or maybe we're not, but we're, we're the most on fire Christian in our community. We're still, we're, we still are, need to be desperate for God and we need, to, we, we need to be even more on fire for the Lord. So it starts with recognizing our personal need for revival and, 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 and saying, God, I, I, I draw near to you. I, I ask you that a fear of the Lord would come on me. I ask you, God, that you would make me a passionate soul winner. I ask you, God, that you would give me a burden for prayer. Lord, I, I, I desire for the conviction of the Holy Spirit to come on me. And then, of course, repent for any known sins. And God, I just, from this point on, I'm not going to let distraction I, I, I believe distraction is one of the, is one of the distractions is one of the main uh, obstacles to personal revival and also, also feeding ourselves on junk. <laughs> like the things, you know, watching what goes in our ear gates and in our eye gates. It's almost like the, the child that eats cookies before dinner. You know, if they, if they eat cookies before dinner, when, then when their mom, when their mom or dad serves them, you know, a, a nutritious meal of roast beef and carrots and potatoes, they're not hungry for it. You know, we, we sometimes feed ourselves on worldly stuff. And then we're not, we, we're not hungry for things of God. We wonder why our teenagers sit in church and are bored. 
But maybe a question that we need to ask ourselves is, are they feeding themselves on the things of this world? And so that when, 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 when they have an opportunity to enter into the presence of God at church, they just have zero desire for it. And so it, it, it starts with us. It starts with Lord, Lord, you know, send revival and let it begin with me. And, and it's us drawing near to him, purposely, intentionally drawing near to him. And then it's God, give me a burden for corporate revival, where you pour your spirit upon my church, my region, my state, my nation. God, burden me for, for prayer. Get, uh, let me begin a prayer, a spark, a prayer awakening among the people in my, even if it's me, even if it's just me or me and another friend or a relative or, or, or maybe it's me going to my church prayer meeting when I, maybe I didn't go before and saying, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to join my prayer along, my prayers along with my pastor to pray for revival, just like that, just like that Pastor McKay did with those elderly sisters. All right. And then from a, right, just for people who are interested in any uh, recommended resources on the uh, subject of revival, I, obviously your book hasn't come out yet, but... <laughs> <All right. laughs> Can you give us the name of your book? Well, I, mine is uh, Finney's Lectures on Revival. Uh, so Charles Finney's Lectures on Revival. Uh, and and so that, that was, again, that was one of uh, my, my dissertation, my, the bibliography listing all the books I used was fifth, the, just the bibliography was 15 pages long. <laughs> your, book, your book was on there. But another book that I want to recommend that was also in my bibliography that I used was a book called Trail of Fire, Trail of Fire by Daniel K. Norris. And, and it's, it's, it's subtitled True Stories from 10 of the Most Powerful Moves of God. And I have to say, uh, of all, there are all kinds of books out there on revival. But this one, I think it was published maybe just a year or two ago. Okay. This one is, is, is the clearest, most succinct uh, book that I have read that features uh, 10 of the most powerful moves of God, including the Hebrides revival that we, that we talked about today. Very good. And we'll put that in the show notes. Uh, <clears throat> where can uh, people learn about all that you are doing? I know you have a lot going on between your church and ministry and things like that. Uh, where would you like to send people who want to learn more about Dr. Jamie Morgan? <laughs> well, they can, thank you, Kevin. They can go on my website, my personal ministry website, Jamie Morgan Ministries. Uh, my website address is Jamie, J-A-M-I-E, Morgan, jamiemorgan.com. And uh, they can also find out more about my church. My church is Life Church in Williamstown, New Jersey. My church website is lifeishere.org. And so those are the two websites that uh, they can find out more about me. And, and you're also on social media and Facebook. and Yes, I'm on social media. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram uh, under Jamie Morgan Ministries. Instagram, I'm on uh, Jamie Morgan 7581. <laughs> we'll, we'll put that in the show notes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so people can don't have to pull over while they're driving to... <laughs> 7581. All right. All right. Any, uh, before we wrap up, any final ask that you would have of the audience, other than obviously go to jamiemorgan.com? But <laughs> I would ask that each person would 
spend uh, time alone with the Lord. And you know, you know, Kevin, I, I hear, I personally, everybody, everybody has their own relationship with Jesus. I personally hear the Lord the best when I'm away from the familiar. It doesn't have to be some exotic place. It doesn't have to be Hawaii or some, it can be a local, a local park sitting on the park bench. It can be in, in a coffee shop. It can be in the library. But it's a, when I'm away from my house and church, I want to encourage the people listening to get away alone with God, away from the familiar and seek him for the purpose of personal revival and, and, and open their heart and, and allow God to be honest with them about where they are really at. And I want to encourage every pastor Pastor, I understand how difficult it is to pastor, but I want to encourage you, brother or sister, that God wants to pour his spirit out on you. As Isaiah 44 verse 3 says, he wants to pour his spirit out upon your church to irrigate your parched church, to irrigate your parched community. He wants to flood your church. Pray for revival for your church and don't give up until you see it. Amen. That's, that's very good advice. Uh, <clears throat> although I, I was hoping you'd not say it has to be Hawaii because I'll take that as a word for me. <laughs> I, I, I receive it, Lord. No, I, I, one of the things I think is uh, uh, Pastor Jamie and I work on a, uh, the AG prayer committee together and uh, we were kind of her and I were manning uh, her, her in charge of the prayer experience at general council this uh, past year. And uh, one of the things I love was that, uh, and it means we're from the same cloth that there would be times where we're joking. And then 10 seconds later, you know, she's prophesying over someone or whatever. And that, that that's what Christianity should be like, that yeah. you're flowing back and forth between those things. And so uh, we'll, we'll both take a, a word that you should get, get alone and go to Hawaii. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for taking the time today. Uh, hopefully uh, we'll have a round two at some point. Maybe we'll take on another uh, different revival and see where we go with that. But uh, thanks for taking the time today. Thank you, Kevin, for having me. It was truly a pleasure. Well, there you have it. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did in having it. And I hope that you'll actually do what uh, Dr. Morgan suggested. And uh, maybe even at this moment after you get done, if you're driving, don't do this. But uh, take out your phone and schedule a time to listen to God and spend some time alone with God. If you're in the car, why don't you just take this time right now and do that. All right. When you do get back to your phone, uh, why don't you uh, go on over the show notes and uh, look at the resources that and Dr. Morgan's resources and all that. You can find it all at enjoyingprayer.org and then click on podcast. Again, that's enjoyingprayer.org and click on podcast. Uh, while you're uh, doing all this other stuff, could you just take a moment and subscribe to the... we got some good stuff coming up and you don't want to miss it. Uh, so wherever you're listening, uh, why don't you... Uh, just subscribe and uh, we'd really appreciate a rating and review because that really helps us in this whole system uh, but we want to be a blessing to you and so god bless you as you go on your day and we'll see you next time